Hi, I'm Chelsea Neumeyer and I'm a time management and productivity coach. My goal is to help you go from overwhelmed to under control without a strict schedule or a bunch of productivity hacks. Each week, we'll talk about productivity mindset, actionable advice, my favorite resources, and you'll hear from guests just like you who are maximizing their limited resources. If you're anything like me, you're listening to this on the go, so check out the show notes and follow me on Instagram to learn more. Okay, let's start the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I am so excited to be welcoming Don Davis to the show. He is an expert operations leader in healthcare and life sciences with a 35-year career in delivering leverageable capabilities that scale their organizations while increasing revenue and controlling cost. He's an author, executive coach, and keynote speaker, and consultant in life sciences. He's also author of the book, Overcommitted, How to Transform Your Habits and Achieve the Life You Desire, which I'm so excited to talk about because it was like he was inside my brain. So this is going to be a fantastic conversation. After decades of working for companies like GE, BD, and Roche in the fields of healthcare and life sciences, Don helps others improve operational excellence, program and project management, analytics and KPIs, and IT systems infrastructure that result in increasing profitability and improved ability to scale their organizations for growth as president and principal of 5280 Life Sciences Consulting Company. So Thank you so much for coming down. I'm telling you, this is, we are on the same wavelength and this is going to be such an amazing conversation, not only for the audience, but I think I'm going to get some coaching from this too. So thank (laughs) you for being here today. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks a lot, Chelsea, for having me. I mean, it's great to be here and just a definite, you know, key topic, I think for every professional that's out there, right? I mean, it sounds to me like your coaching practice is centered in the right spot. And, you know, this definitely is a hot topic right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just read your bio, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you got to where you are and what inspired you to start your business and write your book. Yeah, so I took a serendipitous route in both facets of my life. So with my career, I mean, for a long time, and I talk about this in the book as well, Mm -hmm. I really thought that I wanted to be a senior executive in one of these bigger companies. That's really what I wanted. And I worked hard and dedicated lots and lots of hours to try and see if I couldn't find my way into a corner office. And as I got more and more close to that goal, I started to think, this isn't really what I want. Watching the other people that were closer to that kind of experience, I started to think to myself, you know, what I really want to be able to do is to see the results and the fruits of my labor, you know, more closely. And so I started working with, you know, kind of smaller companies, which is what I do now with my consulting practice. And I focus in on companies that are newly funded, trying to grow, having, you know, the time of their life, innovating and moving fast. And uh, that's what I enjoy versus, you know, managing bureaucracy and politics and those sort of things inside of a big company. And so I just, I really do, I, I absolutely enjoy this a lot more. And that's what made me you know, want to be a consultant in the first place. I felt like I could touch a lot more companies as a as an independent consultant versus somebody that's an employee for one organization. I could definitely touch one and, you know, have a, a definite impact that way. But this way I get to have kind of the time of my life and I get to, you know, touch, normally it's like three to four companies at a time. So that's kind of my max. Anything more than that's, you know, right around where I stop. And then with regards to the book and, you know, being an author, so I have consulting clients that way. And then I also have executive coaching clients and more and more of my executive coaching clients, in addition to my regular consulting clients, 
I can see how much of a struggle it was with them being overcommitted, especially as we moved through the pandemic and all of a sudden you didn't get bathroom breaks and kind of natural lunch breaks and things like that. And you just saw people working more and more. And so I just, I wanted to sit down and write this book primarily for that reason. Yeah. And you kind of started to talk about this, but really who is this book for? Who's going to benefit from this book? So this could be, so there are two, I'm going to start with the definition of overcommitted because I think <laughs> this kind of helps to define a little bit of who this is for. So the my definition of overcommitted comes in two forms. One could be very simply, your schedule is stacked one meeting on top of the other. And at times you even have bo double booked or triple booked yourself. And I, you hear this term you know, quite frequently, but the reality is most professionals then have to decide which meeting am I going to and which meeting am I going to skip. And so that's kind of the, what I would say the traditional form of overcommitted is. The second one I touched on just a moment ago with my own personal experience, which is that if you are spending time working on things that are leading you in a direction in your personal life or professional life, that you know, really aren't going the way that you want them to go. You're overcommitted in that area of your life as well. And it may not have anything to do with your actual schedule or being double or triple booked. And so, you know, I frequently hear people mention this term quiet quitting. And so qu the definition of quiet quitting in the, let's say the Huffington form yeah. or, you know, some other folks that have mentioned it on the news is really that quiet quitting is whenever you work on things outside of work that could lead to another career. Well, okay, so you have a podcast. This podcast could lead to a radio show. The radio show could lead to a television show or even to greater and greater consulting clients or coaching clients. I mean, all of that may lead you away from where you are today, sure. But the reality is, I just might want to balance my life out and go do some things outside of work that I really enjoy. And I yeah. enjoy this interaction, frankly. Of I mean, course. I yeah. personally enjoy the, you know, the interaction that I get from people doing interviews. So yeah, I think dedicating parts of your life to things that you want to work on yourself is actually smart. And it's, all, it's a way of showing your commitment maybe to your professionalism. Maybe you want to become a better presenter or a better, you know, individual in front of audiences. And this might be one way to do that, that could give you a little introduction and then move to something larger. But it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you are, that you're leaving the profession that you're in. And so that's sort of my challenge for people whenever they bring up quiet quitting, because I don't really I don't really believe that's a thing. I think it's something people invented because all of a sudden they noticed that people had hobbies outside of work because of COVID. <laughs> yeah, so, I, yeah. Yeah. And just a tough, couple of great points to, to touch on there. I've, I've heard a lot about the quiet fitting and I also hear it interpreted as people, people not going above and beyond anymore. People showing up, doing their job, doing a good job, but that's it. And because they want space for those other important things in their life. And I think it, companies were all bent out of shape about it because they're used to getting more out of their employees than what they're paying them for and what they're, you know, they're compensating them for. So I think that's what got everybody on their toes there. But absolutely, I mean, we have to make space for the things that make us happy, the things that are important to us. And I, I love that's the focus of your book. And 
I am one of those people you can ask all of my friends and family, if I am bored for 30 seconds, I have signed up for something else, right? I only had one job for a brief mm -hmm. moment. And that's when I restarted my MBA. And then my MBA was done and I got a dog. Like there was just, I can look back in my life and see all these moments where I get a minute and I add something new to my plate. And I'm recognizing that now, but that's why your book spoke to me so strongly. But why do people overcommit? What is the unconscious behavior that, that comes from adding more and more to our plates? And I talk a little bit about this in the book because I think there's, I think there's a couple of things. And I think, so I also, maybe similar to you, I enjoy being busy. I mean, I frequently will have days that start super early. They go super late. I'm with lots of people, but I enjoy absolutely every minute of those days. And, but occasionally I need days where I don't really have a lot of interaction as well. I need, I mean, like book writing days, right? I, sure. I, yeah. Didn't have many, you know, coaching clients or other, you know, th activities outside of writing and getting things done. But I have a very structured routine is what I, you know, continually tell people. I time block my calendar. I do a lot of things to sort of control the gas, if you will, in terms of the flow of my day. Now, when the other thing that can happen, though, in addition to that is that, you know, some people just can't say no. That's another, you know, natural thing is that we oftentimes will have, you know, periods where we think, hey, this looks like free time. And then very quickly we found out that, oh, that wasn't actually free time. It was, you know, dedicated for something else. And I really needed that, that block of time as well. So to me, there's really kind of three categories. People that like to be busy, people that can't say no, and then people that inadvertently cause themselves, you know, these scheduling conflicts or, you know, even conflicts in terms of working on things that they you know, didn't mean to work on. The one thing I would go back to, though, as well, that you had said in terms of, you know, the amount of time that people work for companies and as much as companies may believe that people are quiet quitting or whatever, Microsoft Teams is actually something that that has enabled companies to measure productivity of their employees. And they actually did a study during the pandemic where they came back and they said, look, there's a third peak that happens with all the professionals that didn't happen before the pandemic, where all of a sudden now, instead of, you know, like the beginning of the day, there was one peak naturally in mm -hmm. most days. There was a second peak around our lunchtime for most people. But then the third peak now starts to happen right at the end of the day, 10, 11 o'clock. All of a sudden people are logging back into their computers and things like that. So, you know, again, if you're carrying out, let's say podcast interviews or other things kind of in that middle section, Maybe still you need that end of the day peak, you know, to go finish up, you know, things for the day or maybe even get a, get set up for the next part of your day. But I also, knowing all of, I mean, I have three grown children that are outside of the house at this point in time. And, you know, certainly whenever my kids were at home, you know, we would have sport activities or other things where we'd have to go out and then come back. And then I oftentimes would check in on work again before at the end of the day. So that third peak really isn't much of a mystery to me, you know, as it might be for some, but at the same time, I think, you know, people are trying to make sure that their jobs are covered, but also just not be overcommitted. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, so the three reasons I absolutely can think of a client that falls into each of those categories. And sometimes it's just an organizational issue. If you're double booking yourselves and coming up with really good 
system so that your calendar reflects what you actually need to do when you're actually putting things in your calendar. And then that, that people pleasing can't say no is that one's probably the hardest. Would you say that's the hardest when you're coaching and talking with people through this? Yeah, I would say it's that. And then off. So oftentimes the further sort of into middle management and into executive management, I would say that you get, oftentimes you get voluntold for things. Sure. Um, yeah. so, so that could lead to, you know, another round of overcommitment. You don't want to let your boss down. You're not used to sort of negotiating your time and things like that. And, you know, these are some of the things that I try to get into for people that, you know, look, there are natural ways that you can come to come back to people and not be insult, insulting in terms of the fact that, you know, I appreciate the opportunity, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, my plate's kind of full and you know, hear some of the other, you know, ways that, that I might be able to help, but, you know, not necessarily lead this activity or whatever might be a good way to position yourself out of, you know, that particular challenge of being overcommitted as well. I think people too easily sometimes relinquish that control. They just, they just take it on and they don't question it. They don't think to say exactly what you said, right? I got a lot on my plate. How do you anticipate I prioritize? Like, how do you think I should prioritize everything that's on my plate right now? And sometimes it's just a quick conversation with your supervisor or if you have your own business and it gets a little bit, you're the supervisor. So you have to make the decision for yourself. But sometimes we relinquish that control too easily, I think. Yeah. So let me touch on both of those just really quickly. I think that from the the leader standpoint, and I deal with this in an entirely separate section of the book, because I feel like the clients that I've dealt with or the coaching clients or the professional clients that I've dealt with that that are overcommitted, they fall into those earlier categories. Mm -hmm. It comes to your professional life, though. There is an area of just needing a bit of time to think about some of these things. And then oftentimes you'll naturally come up with a way to sort of dialogue with the person that's asking you to do something else that would then lead you to be overcommitted. So I sort of suggest, you know, that you should give it like a 24 to 48 hour, you know, respite before you actually commit to the thing, you know, so whatever you're boss is saying, you know, hey, maybe you could respond with something like, you know, hey, can I get back to you in 24 to 48 hours? And let's just talk about this a little bit more. You know, I'm excited about the opportunity, excited that you would consider me. You know, I just want to make sure that I'm absolutely committed to this and, you know, just let me get back to you. And then, you know, it could be a solid yes. You know, yes, you have the time mm -hmm. to do it. No problem. But it also could be as you spend a little bit of time thinking about it, that you maybe you need help or maybe you need you know, other people in the boat with you. And so it's not just, you know, sort of along on whatever initiative. And then from a, you know, direct, you know, person that's self-employed. I mean, I hired a virtual assistant. She's phenomenal. I absolutely love the fact that I have somebody else that can sort of, you know, be with me, you know, on in the journey. And, you know, at times we hire additional help. I mean, there's time whenever times whenever I have just way too much work and I want to be the face of my company, but at the same time, I'm only one person. And so I have to be able to, at times kind of, you know, deal with the ebbs and flows of things that are coming at me as well. And to me, you know, between virtual assistants, automation, you know, those sort of things, it really helps to helps me keep my focus and make sure that I'm working on the right thing. Yeah. That pause is such good advice. Like just before you say yes, even if it is a resounding yes, just take a beat and make sure that you can 
give it your all because it's again it's often flattering to be asked to do those kinds of things I know I'm a the fastest way to get me to say yes is to flatter me right like I'm gonna, I'll take on whatever committee you need me to if you tell me I'm going to do a good job so I think that's such a great just quick thing just pause just give yourself a little bit of time before you just sign up without thinking about how it's going to fit into the rest of your schedule so I hope people take that I'll take away from that this episode what are some of the other kind of dangers of putting yourself in this place so let's say we've we didn't do the pause we signed we put too many things on our plate what are some of the dangers there and how do you recognize when you're in that spot so the worst the absolute worst case that i try and deal with early on in the book that can happen is burnout and i actually so i ran into this in europe first as a manager of you know hundreds of people you know, across around the globe, all of a sudden I had an employee that left on burnout. And I was like, what is that? What exactly you know, are you describing to me? Because I mean, in the United States, whenever you're asked to just do more and more, and we don't really have the same sort of understanding from a mental health standpoint, I was I, I was genuinely curious. I mean, you know, what is it? And you know, how does it kind of manifest? And you know, how do you know that you're quote unquote burnout? But I mean, this individual, you know, essentially couldn't hold their concentration anymore. They couldn't sleep. They, you know, they really had legitimate problems because they were just so overtaxed that they couldn't manage their day anymore. And um, I know he was trying to do a good job. That wasn't at all a question in my mind, but just to sort of have this result. And then I think he's he was gone for a month. I think it was like a month of time that he left work, had to go through therapy and other things, and then he came back. And of course, again, I was curious, you know, I wanted to know. So tell me, you know, what exactly, you know, did you do? And he said, well, with my therapist, we worked through a lot of things in terms of, you know, how I was, you know, dealing with the anxiety of work and things like that. And uh, he was taught meditation was one of the, one of the things as a part of his overall recovery. And I said, show me what you do, if you don't mind. I'm just really curious. Yeah, that's great. And so so we went through, you know, kind of what he did. He had an app on the on his phone at the time. I don't even know if it's available now, but it was called like the one minute meditation. It had like a stick figure animation where they showed the stick figure breathing and things like that. Um, but I have the Calm app. I absolutely you know, love the Calm app and I use it frequently for my meditation. I also will self-meditate, you know, oftentimes I don't even need necessarily an app. I just, you know, you go through breathing exercises and concentration exercises to try and just make sure that one, that I start my day on a really sort of clear path, but overcommitment can lead to, to me, not just these, you know, sort of burnout kind of results, but also they could lead to other health issues and things like that. And so it's really important that you identify exactly what it is that you want out of life and that you're committing time, you know, to those things, but you also need to understand that you need a break. And that's one of the reasons why we need vacations and other things, but you just, some point in time, you have to understand that you can't work 24 seven. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk in the book too about the potential harm it does to relationships, right? If you're kind of half everywhere, then you're not fully present anywhere and that could jeopardize your relationships. And you use the word replenishment 
which I think you mean self-care, right? It means just kind of taking that time for yourself. But I love the word replenishment because it makes me think of that saying you all say, right? You can't pour from an empty cup, right? I I say that quite a bit. And, but I love the word replenishment because it just, it it evokes the same kind of imagery for me of how important it is to take care of ourselves. So that's, I think that's a great word for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. And just knowing that you have to take the time and telling yourself that, you know, look, it's okay. I mean, if you feel like you need a break, take a break. (laughs) And, but at the same time, I also, you know, like I said, I mean, I'm somebody who frequently packs my schedule. And one of the other things that I would say, and this is where to me, coaching comes into play Mm -hmm. a lot as well, is that you, you, if you're somebody who frequently finds yourself overcommitted, you may actually need somebody else from the outside to help you see these opportunities, right? And that's to me where coaching, you know, you know, an outside coach, as well as, you know, people that are close to you, friends, there's a spouse, um, they can all sort of help you gauge these areas of your life. Like I said, I mean, earlier, my wife frequently will tell me, you know, hey, look, it seems like you've got a lot going on. And, you know, so we'll talk about my schedule and like, here's what I see. And here's where I sort of see things, you know, kind of packing or piling up. And then this is where I think I'm going to get some relief and I'm going to get to take a break. So we'll talk through where I feel mm-hmm. like the over overcommitment, you know, adjustment comes along as well. And it made me laugh thinking about that. I was nodding along because one of the best conversations I had with my husband was I was asked to lead a committee for an organization I was involved in. And at the time I was working a full-time job, I was just running my business. It was kind of like tail end of the pandemic. I think this was like late 2021 perhaps. And I'm like talking about like, oh, I really want to do this. It's such a great opportunity. You know, I'm like kind of, fighting through it. And he goes, you know, you can just be in the organization without leading anything. Right. (laughs) I was like, no, I didn't know that. I didn't, it didn't occur to me that I could just be a committee member and not the person running the committee. And so I think, yes, our people know us better than we know ourselves sometimes. And so looking to them and having those open and honest conversations about how you're going to balance your schedule so that they feel like they're getting you at your best too is such an important piece of managing our time and our life and our schedule. I love that. So to go back to one point that you brought up a second ago, though, with regards to people not getting the whole you whenever they kind of Mm -hmm. expect the whole you. I mean, I've frequently been a firm believer in family time is family time and work time is work time. And it's, it took me a few years, believe me, to come to this realization. And I describe, you know, the fact that, you know, I, at one point in time, I was going to school, teaching for three colleges. And, you know, on top of that, I had three kids that were, you know, kind of going through high school at that point in time. And our lives were busy. I mean, I would spend time in the cars trying to go through, Anytime we were going to sporting events or anything else to trying to go through homework or grading assignments or whatever. And the same thing with international flights. I oftentimes would fly to a different country, land, go to the hotel, check in and then grade papers and, you know, not even had slept, you know, Mm -hmm. yet. So, So fully understand that. But I try to now make sure that the dedicated time that I have 
is dedicated to the things that I care most about. And that's, you know, kind of a difference now. I absolutely love the do not, or well, you should call it the focus feature on your mm -hmm. phone. Yep. They changed it, but do not disturb is what it has been. And then, yeah, I mean, on top of that, I also, for coaching clients and senior executives that I have, oftentimes we'll go through, you know, the think key things that they're working on and where I think that they need that need dedicated time. I'll actually book meetings with my clients and just say, Hey, look, I booked a meeting with you. This is not for me and you, this is for you. You need to prepare. So this time is for you to go do that. Not for other things, go get prepared, go do the thing that you need to do to be ready for, you know, your next meeting. I mean, in some cases it could be, you know, board meetings, investor meetings, you know, who knows mm -hmm. what. And I want my clients to feel like they're just getting the most out of everything that they're doing. And to do that, you've got to be focused. Yeah. We talked about it right before we hit record on this. We're just surrounded by distractions all the time. And you have a great section in your book about different ways to reduce distractions, different ways to structure your day and your calendar. So I highly recommend people check that out because it's really comprehensive, but not just comprehensive. It's really actionable. Like it's not complicated in terms of the tools that you need. You just, it's just the process that you follow. And so I thought that was so, so helpful. So people should absolutely check that out. And yeah, the distractions are just turn off your emails. Like that's just, I mean, again, like just close your inbox when you need to do work. It's so addicting. And between that and your phone, just set yourself up for success. It's my PSA to everybody. Okay. So let's say we are recognizing like, okay, I've, I didn't do a good job of saying no, I didn't take a pause. I'm overcommitted. How do I back away slowly from all mm -hmm. this, right? Like how do I get myself out of stuff so that I can level set and find that appropriate cadence for work? Yeah. So this is where, so in the process of writing a book, hopefully to make this a little interesting for folks, the, in the process of writing a book, I mean, there's the solitary part of writing the book, but the reality is initially, whenever you have the idea, you typically, you could be talking to publishers. My book was self-published because I wanted it, you know, out, out, you know, with everybody. And uh, so I didn't go to a traditional publisher to do it. I did this myself. And then on top of that, you work with editors. There are different levels of editors that you work with along the way. And so I had kind of the initial sort of what you call a content editor. So this is somebody that's looking for looking at the structure of the book and what it's going to deliver to the reader. And at the end of the day, you know, how does this deliver, you know, what it's supposed to, you know, for the reader. And so I had described in the book the idea of having an overcommitment dare and like a cleansing process, if you okay. will, of how to get rid of, I've got all these overcommitments. How am I going to go get rid of them? And so she wrote back and she said, is this done? And I said, no, it's not done. It's, you know, still in process. And she said, the minute that it's done, please send it to me. I need it. <laughs> and so it was funny that, you know, even the book editors along the way, I felt like not only were they like, you know, doing a good job of coaching me in terms of, you know, how the book should look and making sure that it was going to deliver for the reader a great experience, but also at the end of the day, yeah, they were looking for solutions as well. So what the overcommitment dare is, it's seven days, essentially. And in those seven days, you're going to go through a few different phases of your overcommitment. You're going to look at what parts of my overcommitment should I, del should I delegate, the D in dare. 
which ones should I automate? So can I maybe use my email program or other means to try and automate things so that I'm not having to deal with every aspect of my life and day? Which things should be rescheduled? So, I mean, I frequently run into this myself where, you know, a client will change something at the very last minute. Now, all of a sudden, it if my day was full, it clashes with something else that might have also been important. So I may have to prioritize, you know, one, you know, one item over the other and kind of work with people to try and see, can I reschedule things? And then lastly, there are flat out things that, that we should eliminate from our lives that oftentimes we don't. And I do describe this in the book as well, which is that it's very simple to have your email look for the word unsubscribe. Anything with an unsubscribe in there is either a newsletter, a flyer, you know, it could be those sort of things. Those are definitely not things that you should prioritize in your day. So I actually have them so that they're marked and I know that I can easily skip over those items as well in my inbox and, you know, not pay attention to them. You know, maybe once a week I could go back and look back if I'm interested. So, yeah, oh, it's so funny. I, it's so good. It's such a good, again, practical advice and I think especially when I feel like at least for me when I was in kind of worst state of overcoming right like similarly I had a job I was you know I'm getting my MBA wedding planning also like training for races because again I don't just ever do one thing I've had two jobs since I was 16 so at least two jobs since I was 16 so I think that we have this tendency to you you just kind of hit this threshold almost and then you're gonna just be like quote unquote productively busy by checking your email right by doing these things that feel like you're making progress but you're not actually reaching any of your goals and you have a great chapter about setting up what are your actual goals how are those how can you make those the priority and, and redirect all your energy and effort towards your goals and checking your newsletters is probably not helping you reach any of your goals. So another great tip for that though, is you can use on, have you ever heard of unroll.me? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. a great yeah. one for, and setting up filters. So yes, I absolutely talk about that with my clients too, because that's such like a productive, busy place. It actually doesn't let us, you're actually not working towards anything. Right. You know, goal oriented yeah. oftentimes. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to start trusting yourself that when you take those breaks, you're going to, you're going to get back to the work, right? It's still going to be there when you leave. And when you start eliminating even things that are things that you enjoy doing, like when I left that organization and decided not ultimately decided not to take that leadership role, it was hard. Like, you know, you have a little bit of that FOMO, right? You, I wanted to be a part of it. It was something I enjoyed doing, but at the end of the day, I couldn't make it a priority. And so I just had to make a really hard decision to say no, but how do you have any other advice for like that, how to reconcile that when your clients are struggling with what they can eliminate if they like all of the stuff or if they're excited about all the stuff? Yeah. I'll go back to 
two things. So, I mean, you mentioned goals a second ago. So one step of one, one thing that I noticed oftentimes in my professional life is that I had clear goals for my professional life. I mean, once a year in corporate America, you're expected to sit down and write out, you know, what specifically you're going to deliver for the organization every single year. And then also, you know, you want to think about at that same point in time, you want to think about, you know, what's going to happen you know, with you inside of maybe the organization that you work in. The one thing I had never really even thought about, though, was what personally do I want as a goal, you know, overall? And how do I sort of, you know, form that? And so the concept is that you, if you develop categories in your life, my four are my personal life, my professional life, my financial life, and then my fitness. So those kind of are my four. And I try and describe to people a way that they can form their own categories based on key things that they want to work on in their life. And then under those categories, then you can have goals and then, you know, more direct tasks that you're going to do associated with those. It's a lot easier, you know, to your point of, you know, am I going to truly miss out on something and associating that with whether or not if it's if it fits your categories and your goals? And if it doesn't, it's a good time to just shed it as something that, you know, would have been nice to do and would have been great to be a part of an organization that, you know, was doing, you know, good things and, you know, having an impact there. But at the same time, you know, allowing yourself that freedom to just say, hey, look, this doesn't fit me right here, right now. I do need to step back, honestly, is is something that, you know, I sort of try to tell people, give yourself the grace of just taking that break. And, uh, you know, the same thing with, you know, school. So it's easy whenever you're like an MBA student is a good example. So you're an MBA student, you're working hard on homework, plus your professional life and whatever else you've got going on. Now, all of a sudden you finish school, you have all this free time and it feels weird. It just is weird to not have like this hectic thing that I had an assignment that I have to go do. And, you know, all this reading that I've got to go pack in. And again, you just need to give yourself that grace of, you know what, this time I'm going to take a little break and figure out what the right things are that I want to fill in versus, you know, just filling in the time because that that could lead to overcommitment. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's my, once I recognize that my problem, it was much easier to say, okay, I don't need every second to be filled just because I'm bored. It's okay to be bored. It's good to be bored for a minute. And every single time I made one of those choices, someone in my life, whether it was my husband or a friend or a family member, I was like, oh, thank God you stopped. Again, just reinvent back to the people who are most important to you and closest to you and and hear them when they share that feedback. So that's awesome. Well, I want to keep an eye on time here. I have a couple rapid fire questions for you. And then I would also love to make sure that we share where people can find you and learn more about you and your book and your coaching practice. So, all right. Fun rapid fire questions. Are you a morning person or a night person? Huh. I would, an say, I would say right now I am a morning person. Just I mentioned this earlier that I get up in the morning and I'm very purposeful in kind of how I start my day every day. I start off typically I start off with meditation. I also do some journaling right in the beginning of the day, which typically is a summary of what I accomplished the day before, as well as what I'm about to work on, you know, in the day to come. So for me, it's fairly simple. The reason why I hesitated is that I do. So 
for a number of years, I I very much would wake up at a very specific time in the day and then work, you know, to to a very specific hour and then I would sort of stop. Well, now, I mean, my days can go till, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night. And oftentimes I'll start at 5 a.m. That's why I hesitated because I'm I wouldn't consider myself you know, right now a night person, but at the same time, sometimes it's, it's nice to have like those really late nights where you're by yourself and can get a lot of stuff done and then sleep in the next day. So that's why I, you know, more or less pause for a second. Yeah, no, I completely understand because I too have been getting up really early the last year, which is something that was never my style, but I really enjoy my morning routine. I live in Cuba now and it's a thousand degrees by nine o'clock. So if I'm going to go for a run, I got to like, you got to go first thing in the morning. So I've adjusted, but yeah. So every now and then I just, I crave that like late night, everything's quiet. There's no incoming emails or notifications, you know, and you can just really get a lot done without those distractions. So I completely understand. Oh, right. and yeah, it changes. It can be both. All right. Are you paper and pen or all digital? I would say I'm 95% digital. Okay. So I, it's funny. I fell in love with Mont Blanc pens in my corporate career, oh. primarily because they write. I mean, just whenever you need ink to come out, they write. And so I do love traditional paper and pen that way, but my handwriting is so atrocious that I, for the most part, put everything in digital form. So, yeah. <laughs> That's great. And what is your favorite way to relax? Favorite way to relax definitely is reading, reading a book, I would say is probably the primary way, you know, a good glass of wine and a Netflix binge isn't a bad thing. Every Love once in that. A while. Yes. So, you know, I mean, we, I, they, so would love for somebody to steal this idea because the more that I've shared this idea with my wife, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, have you seen CNN has a show or a series that just concluded, I think, with Stanley Tucci, where he would go around Italy to different locations in Italy? And I didn't get to watch the show whenever it was on week by week, but I think we just watched the last one last night, according to what he had said. And I told my wife, I said, what I would love to do is because next year is sort of our year to travel a little bit more and take some time away as well. And what I told my wife I'd love to do is create a YouTube channel around chasing Stanley Tucci, find some some man that's about the same size as he is, and then have him like running away, scampering away in each episode. But also, you know, go visit all the restaurants that he visits in, in, yes. in Italy. I thought that would be a blast and get to eat lots of great food. And But we, I mean, that, that show has been something that we've been catching up on for a little while. And anytime we've had, you know, quote unquote, free time, it's been, you know, to kind of you know, hey, can we watch one more episode and see if yes. we can get closer again? So, yeah. I love that. And I think it's so fun when you're traveling somewhere and you can find a food episode that relates to wherever you are. So my husband and I love the show Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix. Oh, sure. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yep. And we were in San Francisco. And so we watched the San Francisco episode before we went there and made a list of the places we wanted to stop at. So it was I love him though. That's so fun. I gotta love a good food show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) So Don, this has been awesome. Where can people find you, learn more, take advantage of some of the amazing information you share? 
So you can find the book at any popular book bookstore website, you know, those sort of things. It's overcommitted how to transform your habits and achieve the life you desire. It's a blue cover with like yellow caution tape on it is the, the, you know, book cover. So you'd be able to spot it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all of those sort of places. If you want to get in touch with me, it's easy to find me on LinkedIn. I'm mine. Typically with my name, Don Davis, I don't get my name anywhere. But in on LinkedIn, I'm forward slash Don Davis. So I took Jeez. that name and <laughs> it's the only place where I really get get that. And then my website also is Dr. Davis PhD. So it's D-R-D-A-V-I-S-P-H-D.com. And you can find me there and all the links to the book and things like that are there as well. And you can, you know, also get in touch with me about coaching as, as well. Perfect. Well, I'll put all of that in the show notes. This has been an awesome conversation, something that, again, near and dear to my heart. I highly recommend the book because it spoke right to me. I was like the perfect person for it. So I'm sure many of the listeners are as well. And so really appreciate your time and effort and time and insights today. So thank you so much. Thanks so much, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. I really appreciated our conversation. Thank you for enjoying another episode of From Overwhelmed to Under Control. I hope you're feeling one step closer to your goals. Don't forget to check out the show notes and follow along on Instagram at Chelsea and Coaching. I look forward to talking to you soon.